Welcome to The Waggle, presented by Sport Clips, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. Welcome to another edition of The Waggle, brought to you by us here at the CFL and CFL.ca, and brought to you by myself, Donovan Bennett. And if you listened last week, it was another good episode. If you haven't, make sure you add that to this playlist right now and listen next. We talked to Natea Jay, and really I wanted to give him his flowers. Great receiver, great career. is transitioning and still making an impact after he played, and we're going to follow that up. But we gave some love to the offense, so we got to give flowers to a guy who's doing it on the defensive end. And so that's why my guest is someone who certainly Tiger Cats fans know and love, Courtney Steven, uh, who, and again, I said this to Natay, and I say it to you, Courtney, usually when someone retires, I don't know if I should say congratulations or condolences because, you know, it's you're grieving one part of your life and then there's this new opportunity. But for you, I can fully say congratulations because you are hitting the ground running and are going directly into a really important role for this coming season and beyond. Courtney Steven is the Ticats Director of Community Partnerships. So first of all, congratulations. Uh, welcome to the pod and, and talk to me about that decision and, w- and what that role means for you and, and to you. Man, uh, Donovan, appreciate you having me. Man, we got a lot of history and then probably most people aren't gonna know that. So it's just cool that one of my first interviews I did publicly, you know, as a as an athlete in college was with you. And I guess this is one of my first interviews after my playing career that I'm doing with you too. <laughs> so to see it come full circle, that's it's awesome, man. Um but yeah. That's the, right. Shout out to Shamad Chambers. Yes. Mitchell Bosch. Yes. Saxon Lindsay and yourself who were did we dub them was it the fam four the just fam these four, four <laughs> the four outstanding freshmen at laurier that really just you know took the the program the oua and, and cis at the time not even u sports cis yeah. by storm um and have all gone on to not just have great careers uh, in Canada, you you know had such a great career in Canada. You had to go do the damn thing in the NCAA, um, but <laughs> went on to, you know, some of you having great careers in the CFL, others uh, in business and life, and you you all are, are killing it in your own way. And now, um, post your CFL career, you know you were the the last man standing in terms of playing professional football. You've got this new opportunity, but yeah, it's crazy how uh, how life comes full circle. I'm I'm uh, I'm not any better at my job than I was 14 <laughs> years ago when we did the interview. You're much better at, at, at your respective jobs. Man, that's hilarious. But you know what though? Um, it's funny how it goes full circle because neither of us are in the same place where we were when we first met, and and that's what it's about, man. It's about progress. It's about um, building, and it's it's this adventure, man. That you don't know where you're exactly going, but you set goals and you work towards them, and as you know, that highway of life shows you different uh, directions. You could turn left, turn right. Sometimes you just gotta go uh, where it feels best. And I feel like that's really what happened here because all through my career, um, you know, I've had some really powerful experiences on and off the field. I've met a lot of people who've had a huge impact on me from the time when I was very young. And there was players from the CFL who used to come in and work out with me one-on-one and, and just, you know, feed their, 
uh, knowledge to me at a young age when I was just sponging up whatever I could get to the point where when I was actually a player and there's alumni coming back and pouring into me and not just football but just people in the community as well so uh, it always meant a lot to me to be involved in community to be able to pay it forward to you know help people who maybe you don't owe anything to them but, but because somebody did something for you it makes a lot of sense for you to pay it forward to the next person um, it's always been a, a, a high value of mine so to be able to be involved with the team and the community that I spent so much time in that I call home huge for me so when the opportunity came up when the job was available uh, to put my name in the hat and say you know what I'm interested in that um, give me a shot it really was one of those things that it, it just made so much sense because I already know so many of the people here the small business owners the students the teachers the parents um, I've, I've got a lot of history with them and I'm really looking forward to continuing to build and continue to deepen those ties and, and just do what I love, which is really just, just pay it forward, give back and, and make a difference. So there's a saying, I don't know if I've said it in this podcast before, but I've said it on air before many times. There's a saying that they use in the South, in the U.S., and it's that if you don't have a seat at the table, you're probably on the menu. And one of the things that you're doing outside of you know, your football career as you set up yourself for success in life is you've been helping Canadians with their wealth and their money and their investments and making advancements. And I, certainly that's the case in business, but I love in the case of football as a player, you just didn't say, okay, I'm gonna use my body and that's it, I'm done. Afterwards, you now are, you've got a seat at the table in a leadership role with an organization and specifically you know not just as a player but as a as a young black man you know the the visibility and the representation that that sends throughout the locker room and the community i think is important now that again you have that seat at the table and you've got the ear of influential people and have the ability to make influence what do you hope to do with that seat what are some of the relationships that you're looking to foster things that you're looking to implement in the community in Hamilton, in the organization with the Tiger Cats and, and with the CFL at large? You know, you hit on so many things there. Um, I mean, from just the standpoint of financial literacy and that passion of mine and how I was trying to help that permeate through the locker room and through the people who I reach in the community, uh, that's part of the reason why I, I love what I do is because you can actually give people tangible advice and tangible um, guidance that will help them make a better uh, future for themselves. But um, to be in the position I'm in now, what you were saying about, you know, getting a seat at the table, it's huge because um, I've been involved with a lot of initiatives with the Tiger Cats over the years. And one of the ones I'm most proud of is something that we launched in the spring during, you know, the tail end of this pandemic era where everybody was still at home in front of their computer screens doing Zoom meetings. We we're able to organize something that, you know, the organization and myself collaborated on, which was called the Future Business Leaders Seminar Series. And it's really addressing the issue that at the managerial levels, at the highest levels in the sports industry, and not just football, I'm talking about in media, I'm talking about in athletic therapy and training. I'm talking about, um, you know, pro personnel and also on the business side of these organizations. Everyone in the leadership positions, they're generally in a certain demographic. And it's not my demographic. 
So uh, to have more people who've actually beat those odds, who've done something that not a lot of people who look like them have done, we wanted to highlight those stories and tell those stories to all these kids in the communities that are very diverse communities that come to our games, that support our team and show these kids that, you know what? There's somebody who looks like you who's actually climbed all the way up that ladder and is successful at the top of their game. And they're not just an athlete. They might be, you know, a president. They might be a head coach. They might be uh, a broadcaster, might be, you know, a strength coach. There's different things that you can do in the sports industry without being the talent on the field, even if you're a, a visual minority, even if you're a female, even if you're somebody who hasn't traditionally been um, a high ranking official in pro sports. So that's one of the initiatives that we've already put together and it's been received um, very well by the, the schools that we went to and uh, delivered that presentation. And, and we plan to do more of that kind of stuff, you know, because really our, our mandate is to have a healthy, active and empowered youth in our community. And there's many different ways that you can address that, whether that's through um, you know, talking about equity and diversity and inclusion, whether that's talking about healthy, active living, uh, whether that's talking about, you know, being socially responsible through, you know, anti-gender based violence, um, you know, all different kinds of initiatives that we can address. We're going to put our hand in the in the in there and just say, you know what, we're here to stand up for the things that are right and for the change that we want to see. We're going to represent that. So I'm I'm excited to jump into this role. And I really don't plan on and taking a back seat for too long. Like I really want to push things forward and continue to do some of the great the Thai Cats have been known for in this community. So you talk about access to those types of roles and those opportunities for people who look like you. And generally, to get them, people have to go through something to get them. They have to overcome the odds to get them. And it's really something we should recognize and celebrate but if we want it to happen more often, you have to eliminate some of those systemic barriers that makes it so that it is so unique and rare. You know, a lot of those deals are done, you know, at the cottage, at the country club, at the golf course, places where people like you aren't as often and don't have that same sort of access. So, so what are some of the things, and you mentioned this, the series that you put on, but what are some of the things that you want people to be cognizant of things that we could put in practice in any sector, whether it's sports, government, um, the arts, to make it a little bit easier for us to have a much more diverse pool of candidates in leadership positions. Well, you know, that's a very good question. And I think so many of these things start at the grassroots level because um, you can hear a lot of executives I don't want to say complain, but they will make the statement that, you know, the candidate pool isn't as diverse as we would want it to be. So, well, you might have you know, 100 people, maybe you only got 15 candidates that are visual minorities or female, and you want to do the right thing and just pick who is based on merit the best. But at the same time, maybe those 15 people aren't the best. So really what it comes down to for me is, is going upstream all right going to the source and starting at the younger age and giving people the opportunity to dream bigger and giving people the opportunity to see what are the options that are actually out there for me so that i'm not really putting myself into a, a one one lane road where 
I can only do this with my future. You want to expose people to ideas, opportunities, and mentorship so that they can grow, thrive, and build uh, you know, options for themselves in the future. And if you're really about having the best business, um, then you're willing to invest and plant seeds that may not really harvest right away. They may take some time. So certain things that I, I really, I would really push for are to, you know, go to these schools and instead of just going to the job fair and, and looking for students, maybe going there in freshman week, frosh week, and talking about opportunities that could come when you graduate at the end, you know, instead of waiting until they've already gotten their degree picked what they want to study. Most kids land at university and have no idea what they want to do. I showed up doing communication studies and business and I graduated with psychology and journalism. So really, I think the opportunity is going upstream and investing in the communities that we as business people, um, the communities we need to thrive, right? And you can't just ask for it at the end of the road. You have to go to the beginning and plant some seeds that have a chance to grow and become the fruit you want to pick. And I think that's the best way is always, you know, just thinking long-term and not short-term. How can we patch a Band-Aid on it? But how can we build something that is really going to make a large-scale change? So why now and why the tie cats and we're seeing more ind type roles pop up more you know community partnership type roles the language of them changes depending on you know the organization or the company but we're seeing some of them but at the end of the day these are for-profit businesses and at some point at the end of the fiscal year someone's going to look at that role and say well are we getting a return on investment so with you in this position with the tiger cats what is the tangible benefit for the organization how do you deliver to mirror that in your building it doesn't just make sense philanthropically or for the community it makes sense for the business of the hamilton tiger cats well you know what they say uh no leech right <laughs> if we were just going to show up on uh fridays saturdays and sundays and ask people to come buy popcorn and and cough up their their hard-earned dollars to come sit in the seats i mean that's that's a very uh, one-dimensional relationship where all we do is take and i feel um if you want to have true fandom like we do right that's not the kind of stuff that is just it just doesn't come from touchdowns only right these these people who are season kit holders were once kids in a gymnasium at school when somebody took time out of their day to come talk to them sign an autograph you know give out t-shirts and really make a memory because you can have a day at the stadium with your family and that might be a moment your kids remember for the rest of their life right depending on how things go i still remember you know taking taking my family to one of my first games so while i was on the field and they were in the stands like nonetheless it was something that was it was powerful for us as a family it brings us together so um in hamilton and just like in every other town right this is the main attraction Right. This is the thing that you want people to hold your brand in the highest of regards. So for every person that you can touch and have a meaningful impact on, you know, the way that their day is going, because you don't know how their day is actually going. A lot of people right now are dealing with a lot of stuff behind closed doors. They need that escape to be able to go out and cheer and smile and laugh and to see some people do some amazing stuff because we got some amazing talent on the team. We, we provide that service to the community. So just getting the good word out about 
us not just being a leech out here trying to sell tickets but really to be uh you know a glue for our community to give people something to look forward to to put smiles on kids faces to give them hope to um give them something that is going to be a positive inspiration and every person that's like that you know that's more likely for them to buy a ticket be a season ticket holder buy a jersey and all that kind of stuff it just comes with it but you build the relationships first and you do well on the back end i think every good business you're going to look online and you're going to look at the reviews because that's how that's how i make my decisions these days if it's a business i never worked with before i'm going to check the reviews online what are people saying about you when you're not in the room right ultimately that reputation whether you're an individual or a corporation that reputation of what people say about you when you're not in the room is going to determine how successful you can be right you can put a ceiling on yourself from taking and never giving so we want to make sure that we over deliver on giving by a magnitude an order of magnitude so that when it's time for us to say you know what guys season tickets are on sale they're going to compete with each other to buy them because we've given so much back to that community and they see us as valuable contributors to the Hamilton area. Well, actually, I want to pull that thread a little bit more and follow up on the other side of your brand and the other side of the thing that you're providing uh, many Canadians. That's, you know, some personal finance advice. And so football fans, they have uh, financial goals as well. So maybe they're going to get a little bit added expertise for free. Um, if you want more, you, you need to follow on social media and, and, and hire the dude. But <laughs> for right now, we know that coming out of the pandemic, for many Canadians, um, you know, money's tight. Disposable income is a little bit shorter uh, with, you know, certainly some job insecurity in many sectors. And we also know that many Canadians just without different types of entertainment distractions got used to not spending that dollar. And it might be a little bit more difficult to splurge and go to a football game or go to a show or get season tickets or subscribe to uh you know an entertainment service so for you if you could give you know the average everyday canadian um you know working uh, a one fundamental piece of advice that will get them in a better posture financially what would it be Man, you know, that's a great question because there's so many different people in different circumstances right? we mentioned. Times are tough for a lot of people. You know, I myself, being an ex-player, like I had my income interrupted because it's seasonal as it is. You work six months, you get paid six months, right? If we don't play games in January, we don't get paid. So to have no season, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of things were up in the air, right? So I can, I can empathize with what a lot of people are going through. At the same time, you know, some people made it through unscathed. And so to have one piece of advice that could cross over that whole group, you know, anybody coast to coast, I would say the best place to start is if you are not aware, if you don't have a system, something that is automatic, where you can go back and look at where every single dollar you made last month ended up, that's ground zero fundamental step number one. You need to have a system that's going to allow you to monitor your money. And why do I say that? Because Money is a very emotional thing. Some of us are tied to spending in different ways. Some of us are very um, scarcity mindset. We want to hoard our money and save for that rainy day. 
other people want to splurge. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you want to You have to know how much you make and how much you spend so that you can keep those numbers in proportion to each other. Otherwise, you go broke. You can make a million dollars. And if you spend a million and one, you're broke. Right. So for me, I use an app. It's free. It's called Mint. You can go to Mint.com. Doesn't matter if you're Android or iOS, whatever side you choose. And really, you just connect it to your bank account. So every time you swipe your debit card or your credit card, it's going to categorize every dollar that you spend. So Shoppers Drug Mart. OK, boom. You went to Petro. That's gas. OK, you paid your um, gas bill for your house or your electrical bill that goes under the home. And over time, as you spend, it gets a little bit smarter with a little bit of input from you. And you can see what categories are you spending more and then which categories need a little bit of attention. And from there, you can make sure that I'm saving for my kids' education and I'm not spending that on entertainment. You can see that I went to drink coffee 15 times this week. Okay, maybe it's time for me to get that Nespresso machine and bring it in-house. You can see that you know I rented three movies and that's why my Bell TV bill or whatever, Kojiko, is going to be more expensive. Right. So awareness is the first step in curing any problem or even getting the highest performance out of anybody. Right. So I want everybody who's listening to this to go download. And I don't I'm not sponsored. All right. This is a free app. You go download the app. It's called Mint, like a like a mint tea, M-I-N-T. It will track your spending so that you can make sure that you're spending less than you make. That's the first step to financial freedom. I love it. I'm actually downloading the app right now as we speak and and more, i really love data and information and and numbers right maybe that's the, the former athlete in me where i i need to i need to what see sports some, person some doesn't love stats be able to well that's right right that's the analytics and i need and i i just want to be you know competitive with myself and see can i get better can i get better can i get better um but I, I also need to keep some and, and that's the thing my too, wife though. Is coming out my neck about how i'm spending i could show her the app Absolutely. And you, and you know what? It's like if you're competitive and you can gamify it, that's when it gets fun. Because to me, it's like, how long can I keep this streak going of contributing to my TFSA? Or it's like, how can I go a full day without spending one dollar? Or maybe it's OK. Last mm -hmm. month I spent, you know, three hundred and twenty five dollars on gas. Maybe just maybe if I park a little bit further and I walk for five minutes to get to the office, maybe I could save 10 bucks on gas this month. And like little dumb stuff that's really not gonna make you rich, but it will bring awareness to what you're doing. And when you have awareness, you perform better, no matter what. That's why we watch film in football. It's because, look, you feel like you're getting out of your back pedal, but you're really double stepping, right? So you gotta look at the film, you gotta have data, you gotta understand why is the receiver always getting open at the top of the route? It's because look, you're standing too tall, I need you to sink your hips and, and drive out of that break, right? So the more data you have, or the, the more proof that's in the pudding, the better pudding tastes. As we say in football, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Well, in this case, I suppose the Mint app on your phone <laughs> doesn't lie. So make sure you get that up. Here's another question I have for you, and it's a role that you had in locker rooms informally. Now with this role, it maybe will take on more of a formal um, role in locker rooms. Is I remember talking to the guys about this, you know, early on in my career when I was around the same age as guys coming into the league. There is such a vast difference in a football locker room in terms of what people are making 
and have made. And mm -hmm. that can create some interesting conversations, but some tension and even a bit of keeping up with the Joneses. You have former players uh, who, who've got NFL money, you know, coming in. And I heard a story that you could tell the players who are coming from the NFL and training camp because they'd be rolling in on rims. They'd be rolling in, you know, super tinted on something super flashy. Uh, you got players who some have multiple jobs uh, and, and there's that equation. But in a locker room, there can be an aspect of, well, if we're going to all go out, it doesn't matter that I was a late drafted rookie. I feel like I have to buy the bar too, or I feel like I have to keep up in this game of spades at the back of the plane as well. That was, you know, 10 or so years ago. Now athletes in general are much savvier with their finances than they were, you know, in previous generations. But what are some of the conversations that happen amongst you and your brethren in the locker room about finance and, and how are athletes becoming maybe more aware of making their money work for them uh, as athletes? Uh, man, it's funny you mentioned that people people pull up with rims and you can tell who they are but i'll tell you what's the ultimate giveaway is when you're in the airport the person with the louis luggage you know he just got here from the nfl <laughs> that's the number one dead giveaway whoever's got the big the gucci uh roll carry on you know who that guy is but um no, the conversations it's in the funny locker because room. You're, you're, the stuff in the carry-on <laughs> doesn't get there any safer when no. there's an lv on the side of it if anything it's at more risk uh, oh sorry sir yes. we uh we lost your bag at customs or uh <laughs> insecurity but yeah. um but the locker room conversations they've they've been evolving over my career i've got to say um and maybe it's i don't know if it's more prevalent on social media or maybe it's just what the world went through as a whole during the pandemic but guys are reaching out and saying hey i heard that you invest what do you invest in or they'll say I heard that this company put out this new product. Do you think it's a good investment? And to me, it's not even about giving them a specific advice of what you should put your money into, but it's about having that conversation of put your money in something, right? Because that wasn't a conversation at all. When I was a rookie, you know, we talk about you have a retirement pension set up and they're going to withdraw it out of your check automatically. And it was a meeting that guys legitimately every year, they have to give people gift cards to the keg to show up to this meeting to learn about keeping their own money. And guys are skipping out on these mm. meetings because it's just like, you know, a guy standing in the front of the room who really has no relevance to these these young men's immediate impact on their finances. They're talking about stuff when they're 60 years old. So guys aren't guys didn't care about it. But now I feel like maybe because it's so heavily in the media, maybe social media, people like myself or people who have been doing it more than I have, longer than I have, who talk about it openly are making it, I guess, cool to know about your finances. And I think it's the best thing possible because so many of us play for one year, two years, three years. And if you went to a Canadian school, chances are you might have graduated with some student debt. You know, I know I graduated with $20,800 of student debt and I, I spent two years on scholarship. So it could have been higher, but you know, just, just having an awareness of look this thing is not guaranteed and may not last forever so when you actually do get some serious income and you get a chance to either pay down your liabilities or 
put something aside for the future that has a chance to grow for you. You can put yourself way ahead of the game compared to somebody who might not have had those same opportunities. So the conversations are definitely evolving. I think people are seeing their peers be more open about it because, like I said earlier, finance is something emotional. And really, you can get tied up in the wrong conversations and blow all your money over the weekend. Or you can navigate to that other side of that, that locker room with you know what position group I actually find to be very good with money is actually offensive linemen. Like the that old linemen, move, I guess. the old linemen tend to just maybe be a little bit ahead of the ball. But you know what? It's spreading, and I'm happy about it, and I'm I'm glad because you know a lot of these guys are only going to play for a couple years, and I would love to see more people leave the game with something to show for it. O-line was going to be my guess. One, because, you know, Quiet has kept – they're smart. You got to be Absolutely. really smart to play on the offensive line. So that's one. Two, there's in many ways, good and bad, but in many ways, and financially it's good, there's no shame in their game often, so there's that. That's um, it. They're not, they're not trying to show out in the same way. Um, so I, O-line would be my guess. I, I want to, before we circle back you know, to the CFL conversation – I want to tap in on some of your unique experience. And you mentioned the two years on scholarship and you obviously, you know, after starting a great career in Canada, you went and had a great career in the NCAA with your expertise on the NCAA culture and finance. I want your perspective on the name image and likeness ruling that has come down that basically has made every NCAA athlete overnight a freelance employee, an entrepreneur, and an influencer all rolled into one. Mm-hmm. We know increasingly uh, because of guys like you, we've got more uh, Canadians going down and playing in the NCAA. Basically, I feel like if you play a competitive sport in Brampton or Mississauga, you're going to end <laughs> up in the NCAA. <laughs> what advice would you give to those athletes on managing uh, that opportunity uh, and and, uh, keeping things in perspective because now we've just moved up the timeline on when young athletes for the first time have to really make some financial decisions. Before it was when you were pro, now it's still as an amateur. Absolutely. Now, you know what's crazy is that the athletes have been the engine that drove the economic machine behind the NCAA forever since its inception. The athletes are the reason why Nick Saban can make five, seven million dollars a year. They're the reason why you can put a hundred thousand people who pay fifty dollars a pop into the big house in Michigan and every other, you know, stat you want to throw out. So first of all, I think it is about time that you allow the workers to get paid. And if we're going to just call a spade a spade, that's what it is. You're allowing the people who do the work to actually get compensated somewhat in proportion to the work that they do. So I think it's amazing. And the advice that I would give would be twofold. First of all, not every opportunity is a good opportunity, right? You don't want to tie your name to something that you wouldn't be proud of, regardless of how much money that they pay you. And not to say that in in a hating kind of way, like, you know, if... There's a there's like a restaurant that maybe you don't go to. Maybe it's actually a good restaurant. You just got to check it out. But I'm saying there's going to be people with 
ulterior motives, right? Maybe they don't actually have a product that is a good product and it's not something that you can stand on. So just, I would encourage mm -hmm. all athletes to do their due diligence and make sure that you align yourself with brands that stand for something that you stand for because ultimately you don't want to tarnish your credibility. And then secondly, I would say, you know, you're lit, you're living like you're broke yesterday. So now don't forget what that felt like because the longer when you can the longer you can go without having that lifestyle creep come in where okay yeah maybe you're you're not doing the Trevor Lawrence deals or whatever he would have been making and you're not doing you know uh what's it was Percy Miller's son name I don't know he got like two million dollars for some kind of NIL agreement maybe you're not doing those but a local restaurant, maybe they want to give you 500 bucks to post on social media and tell people that's where you're partying after the game. Cool. Take a portion of that money and put it away because you wouldn't have had it anyways, right? As long as you're of age, I know in Canada it's 18. Um, in the States, I'm not exactly sure what the age is to invest. But once you hit that age where you're able to open up an investment account and put something away for the future, you don't have to invest every dollar that you make, but you wouldn't have had that money anyway. So take a slice off the pie and save it for later because in 10 years from now, because of this magical thing that they call compounding, your money is going to be more than it is today. So don't spend it on pizza and partying. Of course, live. You're in college. You're supposed to, you're supposed to blow your money a little bit when you only have a little. So when you have a lot, you don't blow a lot, right? Live, but you were broke a month ago. So don't act like a king now. Take a little slice of the pie, put it away for later. You'll thank yourself when you've graduated and you've moved on and you're trying to get that down payment on that new house. You might have a couple extra thousand bucks to go towards it. If only they had NIL when you're back in Luria, you got yourself a little turret deal. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been the move. Um, in lastly i mean i want to talk to you about some football um we got a different schedule because the world is different uh and it, it was talking to producer drew before we started about how surreal it is that we're so close to real games being played but we're also in the middle of the summer and i have a Grey Cup that's in December, uh, and it's going to be in Hamilton. It's going to be in the city that you're in. You know, with all of this change, uh, but hopefully, when we by the time we get to Grey Cup week, it, it will be a little bit closer to whatever our new normal is going to be. And Grey Cup week will, will be something we uh, recognize. What are you most looking forward to, and what are you most curious to observe about you know this new 2021 football season we're about to embark on? Man, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see the guys out there flying around and making plays. To be honest, um, I don't miss training camp. I don't know. Somebody might tell you, like you know, I no, I don't miss that at all. Um, do you know what it's like? I mean, you know what it's like, but to walk around with compression pants on for two weeks straight because your legs are sore, like I don't miss that. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how the guys come together and how long it's going to take for the teams to adjust to each other because not only the extended offseason, then not having preseason games where you can really knock the kinks out. Uh, I think that's going to be something that's telling the teams who can gel the quickest because it's a shorter season, only 14 games. 
you're going to see the storylines accelerate faster, right? Where each each division game is going to be that much more heavily weighted because you only get so many shots. So I'm looking forward to watching, you know, the Labor Day game, uh, Toronto and Hamilton. I'm also looking forward to seeing a, a rematch of the Grey Cup with the Winnipeg. Um, and, I, and I'm looking forward to seeing some of these other teams that were doing doing rough or showing potential in the last season when we when we last played like like BC and like Ottawa I want to see if the playing field can be leveled a little bit because everybody kind of had to like check out and check back in so there's so many storylines developing um you know you got to trust guys to be pros wherever they were at doing what they could do to be prepared for the season like even myself I was still training up until you know almost I want to say like May but then I was like okay it's time um so you want to see who's going to show up and be in the best shape and if there's going to be some new stars that rise to the occasion because maybe maybe some of the, the older stars kind of took their foot off the gas. So there's going to be some storylines to watch. And I think that's what I'm most excited about, to see who rises to the occasion. Yeah, with no training camp in terms of – well, abbreviated training camp, but, but no preseason games, you're really going zero. Zero to sixty, and there's been so much turnover on so many rosters, and so many guys who haven't played organized football in so long. I'm really interested to see how that impacts the games early on. There are some things that you just cannot replicate in practice at Thud Tempo, and you're an offensive lineman doing that double team, and then getting off and getting to the second level uh, and finding a linebacker. You you just can't do that in practice or can't evaluate who is able to do that in practice. Never mind when the lights are on, when it's on national TV, when there's people screaming in the stadium and you're tired. And so there are positions running back, I believe uh, at the top of the list, right? Many special teams positions, quite frankly, part returner. How do you evaluate a punt returner in, in training camp? I mean, you can evaluate ball security, but that after that, it's, it's totally different. So there's right. many, position groups specific roles on teams that i'm very interested to see how they play early because there's just no way with this level of layoff and this high turnover of staff player etc that you can really get a true feel of that but as you mentioned this it's a shorter season so those games at the beginning count absolutely and you know what i want to see how the coaches adjust too because the best coaches that we all know this is the coaches that can adjust. So, you know, maybe your quarterback, maybe you're, you're Mike Riley's coach, right? And you know, Mike Riley's got a big cannon arm. He likes to throw the deep ball. They're going to put seven into block for him and, and give him all that time. Well, what if your protection, this just isn't there yet. Maybe it needs some time to gel. If you're doing these big play action passes, you're putting your quarterback at risk because defense doesn't take as long to gel as offense does. And protections, Listen, Tom Brady played the whole year on a torn MCL, not because he's so elusive and he didn't get hit, but because his protection was solid. So if the offense isn't protecting the way it needs to, can the coaches adjust and buy their quarterback time so that the season isn't over before it begins because they didn't get a chance to gel on the front yet? So little stuff like that, I'm going to be paying attention to. I'm looking to see how many um, errant throws just end up in interceptions, little things like... Uh, you know the punt returner goes left everybody goes right i want i want to see how which team can eliminate those uh self-inflicted wounds i think those are going to give you a key to who's actually going to be most successful this year 
Well, what you described sounded like Mike Riley's scenario in 2019, where he didn't have a lot of support or time in the pocket. Uh, so hopefully that's not the case. Uh, with Rick Campbell in control, I suspect uh, he'll be able to adapt uh, to whatever's going on or just, quite frankly, give Mike Riley some help because if you're keeping seven in to protect and you still can't protect no matter what length of the route, I think you're in trouble. Um, but either way, when you were in the secondary, offenses were in trouble. So we appreciate uh, the fact that you chose to come off the field and now that you made that choice, you're using – all of your talents, you know, not just the physical ones, but, you know, the mental ones to better your organization and the community at large. So thank you. Appreciate you. Congrats again. Anything that we can do, please let us know. We're always here to support. Uh, and lastly, I mean, we got a promo. Uh, let <laughs> our listeners know. Uh, what they should be looking out for and how they can keep up with what you're up to. Well, if you're, if you're in the Hamilton area at all, then you can expect to see my face sooner or later. I'm going to be heavily in the community and the surrounding area. But if you're not, you know, tapping with me on social media, I am the C Steven. And um, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just a guy who played ball for seven summers and I'm, big fan of the CFL and a big fan of a lot of my friends I could actually cheer for. I mean, not too hard because I'm still a tie cat, but you know, I got friends all over the league. I'll be looking forward to supporting now that I don't have to read about them in the, in the game plan. So, um, appreciate it. A lot of fun and uh, continue to do what you're doing, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Yes. Got to see Steven. And if you need some of that financial advice, uh, follow him, get at him in the DMs, and he'll set you up and uh, help you on that journey as well. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. The Waggle, presented by Sport Clips, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League.